Hello, welcome to Life Sciences in Queensland. Joining us today is Advanced Queensland's Deputy Director General for Innovation, Sarah Pearson. Across her career, Sarah has had a significant impact on innovation ecosystems in Australia and overseas. She's also led the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade to build startup ecosystems, empower entrepreneurs in the Indo-Pacific region, encourage women in STEM, and engage globally in economic and commercial diplomacy based on innovation. An innovation powerhouse, Sarah is an experienced board director, advisor and executive, scientist and change agent who revels in driving economic, social, environmental and diversity improvements. Sarah, welcome. Thank you very much. It's fabulous to be here. You have a doctorate in particle physics from the University of Oxford, plus a a truly impressive record of published research in at least six different areas. It's particle physics, medical physics, artificial intelligence, innovation, science communication and science policy. How did you come to research such an eclectic collection of disciplines? I think the thing is I find so many things interesting and uh, so I've had a very, very good fortune to have a a career where I could traverse a whole lot of different areas. Um, Starting with particle physics, obviously you you do a PhD and then that gets published. The brilliant thing about particle physics is that you work in these massive teams. So we were 500 physicists from 12 countries. So there's a lot of you writing stuff and and they have this this trend in particle physics where everybody's name (laughs) gets to be on these papers. I was incredible really lucky in that respect and uh, that my name got on a, on a lot of papers then um, I did my research into cancer diagnostics and cancer you know understanding metastasis and uh, so that led me to do that sort of th- those sorts of research and papers and as part of that uh, I was using artificial intelligence to try and do the diagnostics so we had you know, big data sets and we were looking to use those data sets to produce some sort of a, um, a diagnostic tool that could tell people very easily whether they had cancer or not so papers on uh, using artificial intelligence the policy piece yeah not quite sure how I got into that but I did um, and this was uh, a policy centre based in the UK that had this global network and I was just part of this global network and uh, we then all got together and started to talk about what needs to happen in innovation policy. So that piece then, then got published uh, with, a, with a bunch of other people. This, there was science communication, so writing about science communication because I've got been involved in that for about 30 years now. And I think the last one was innovation. So all the innovation work I've done within the corporate sector used to write about that. You know, I got asked to give talks and et cetera, et cetera, but I was to write about that too. So I guess I've also had this desire to write about stuff when I do it, um, if people are interested in, in hearing. And and throughout your diverse career, you've specialised in, in innovation, entrepreneurship, scientific research strategy, all the things you've talked about, managing change. But how does th- that wealth of experience play into your role at Advanced Queensland? Well, the way I describe it is I've basically worked in every part of the innovation ecosystem so I've worked in the pure research I've worked in the applied research I've been on the leadership team of a long-term R&D facility for a large multinational I've been CEO of of an SME that was um, you know selling deep tech 
technology around the world. I've been a venture capitalist, angel investment, built ecosystems. I've even worked in schools. <laughs> so I've just I've just been in all of the parts of the ecosystem. So right now, I think for a role like this in Advanced Queensland, it really helps if you understand the language of all the parts of the ecosystem. So if you can speak the language of the large corporates, you can speak the language of the SMEs, you can speak the language of the researchers, of the entrepreneurs, of the investors, um, and the schools. You know, if you, if you can speak that language and span uh, those cultures, I think that really helps to draw them together. Because really, what we need to do here in Queensland is draw all those pieces of the puzzle together. And so you need people like myself and others who have this um, culture-spanning experience to draw them all together. In the middle of uh, 2020, Advance Queensland celebrated its uh, fifth anniversary. And at that point in time, it had supported somewhere around 5,700 innovation projects across the state as part of a $755 million initiative. Did the onset of COVID complicate or slow things down at all? It definitely complicated it. It complicated life for everybody, didn't I it? I think so, yes. <laughs> um, I mean, it complicated it from the perspective of the team. I got here six weeks before we all got sent home. So uh, massive complication there. I didn't get to know my team and my people. <laughs> uh, everyone sent home. So that meant we had to uh, do a lot of our uh, trust building, if you like, online, which was which is challenging. You know, building teams and connecting teams when you're new uh, online is really quite a challenge. Obviously challenging for the teams as well in terms of their engagement with people outside of, of government. So a big part of what we do in Advance Queensland is engage outside. So yeah, COVID you know, was a big challenge in that respect. But then of course there was the, the challenge of seeing all these wonderful entrepreneurs that we had supported in the past and being incredibly concerned for them about what was going to happen during COVID because you could see their customer base drying up and then uh, entrepreneurs you know, they live, a number of them, not all of them some of them live hand to mouth and it's customer by customer so cash flow is a real issue. Um, so we had to jump in and try and help build cash flow management skills. We uh, helped with uh, mental health because, you know, it's a challenging time being an entrepreneur full stop, but being one during COVID, it's even harder. Um, we also then uh, realized that we had to change some of the programs we had in place. So the industry research fellowships and the Ignite Ideas made sure that they then helped su- to support us during COVID time. So there's a bit of a flip that had to happen there. So, yeah, there was a, there was a lot of change we had to, had to go about. It didn't slow anything down. Everything went probably faster um, because there's the day job as well as the new things that we were doing. So, no, no, it was uh, definitely full steam ahead. You have a, a pretty good understanding of industry across Queensland. Which sectors of manufacturing in this state are stepping up to the challenges wrought by the, the pandemic? Well, of course, it was fabulous to see companies um, changing their direction or pivoting, as uh, some people like to use, to developing and delivering PPE, because obviously there was this massive challenge. How on earth are we going to get enough PPE if this wave of, of this disease hits us? So it was brilliant to see manufacturers really flipping and changing what they were delivering. So that proves to us that we have agile manufacturing capability here in Queensland. So that's that's really encouraging. Um, I think obviously from the perspective of mining technology that's been you know, a strength of Queensland for quite some time and that kept going that really wasn't impacted hugely by COVID but I, you know, here I am in the Life Sciences Queensland offices and the uh, the excitement of the possible vaccine at UQ and then of course uh, Vaxus and the breakthroughs there, Alum, you know, we've had some really big wins during COVID uh, in this space which I think from a manufacturing perspective is really quite exciting. It, it, we, we really could put Queensland on the map. In its uh, day-to-day activities, Advanced Queensland works with startups, 
small to medium enterprises, corporate giants, uh, and of course, government agencies. In your opinion, which one of these stands out when it comes to the innovation in this state? Or is that too difficult to answer? No, I, uh, I, I don't like grading different parts of the innovation ecosystem because I think actually they're all good. Mm. I know that's a bit of a cop-out, but I, I've seen some fantastic examples of large multinationals who are innovating. I mean, think of the Loyal Wingman in Boeing and the work that they're doing there. Really quite exciting. So definitely the large multinationals are doing it. Uh, in terms of SMEs, I've been so fortunate to be able to travel around a little bit of regional Queensland and seen some incredible SMEs who are doing some very innovative work. Um, there was a, a company that I met that was developing new belts for taking coal around you know, underground. So a, a great innovation that they were working on. I was speaking with some of the manufacturing centres and they were talking about how they've had you know, several hundred SMEs coming to them saying, how do we get our skills together in terms of 3D printing, AI, big data, etc. So there are some great SMEs out there who are really giving it a go at innovating. And then, of course, what wonderful entrepreneurs, some fantastic entrepreneurs that are working both from the perspective of trying to uh, build high growth uh, companies. You've got our fabulous unicorn that we have here in, in Queensland, yeah. um, but also the impact, the social impact side of things. So definitely the startup scene is, is really, really innovative. Um, so, yes, I think all pieces of the puzzle are innovating right now. We just need to connect them all so that they can work better together. And could we be doing better in advancing healthcare and life science innovations in this state? In Queensland? Um, well, I think we obviously had, as I talked earlier, the breakthroughs, right, breakthroughs that we have. So um, the vaccine, Vaxxers, mm. Alum, etc. Today I was with Microba. So I was meeting with Microba this morning. So we've got some really great companies out there. I think um, I get the impression, and I'm a bit of a newbie, but I get the impression that they're beginning to get to stages of their development where there's actually some good, really good stories to tell now. So I think we're in a great spot now to do more with what we've got. I think probably earlier on it was a bit harder because they, we didn't have the volume of them that had got to a place where they were being really, really successful and growing and employing people rapidly. But I think we're now at a point where we can really make the most of that. And in talking about these these breakthroughs, why is Queensland such a good location for startups? Look, I think uh, Queensland's in such a good spot from COVID. I mean, we're an absolute standout globally. So there's, there's point number one. You want to be somewhere safe. Queensland's a really great spot. I think that uh, we've had decades of investment. I mean, it's really impressive to see what Queensland's been doing through the Smart State and then Advanced Queensland. You know, 20 year, at least 20 years of investing in the early research, the infrastructure around research, and then backing that up with then the investment in the innovation work. So we're a great state where there has been investment over a long period of time. So that foresight and that vision, which is really good. We've got amazing researchers. The research base here in Queensland is, is, is really good. And we have an ecosystem of people who want to connect and help one another. So I think that makes, if you're an entrepreneur coming to somewhere new, if you can go somewhere where you can be connected and supported, um, then that's really, really valuable. Sarah, looking at your extensive resume, it's pretty clear that you have a passion for complex technologies as well as uh, uh, decision-making and support for venture capitalists and other investment vehicles. How well do you think Australia is doing in this regard? Do you know, it's interesting. It was probably five or six years ago. I was so lucky. I went to this um, tour called Australia Week in China. Mm -hmm. 
And there were a thousand of us that went over. Malcolm Turnbull was leading it. A thousand of us. A hundred of us were in the innovation stream. And I was um, very lucky to get to sit next to this venture capitalist, a Chinese venture capitalist. And I said to him, you know, quite cheekily, I uh, saying, so uh, how much money have you got in your venture capital fund? <laughs> and he said, oh, a hundred billion yuan. Um, at which point, I think that's about 30 billion um, Aussie dollars. At which point we had one billion in the whole of Australia. <laughs> I remember thinking, oh, okay, right. Okay, we've got a way to go. But there has been a lot of work done in the venture capital space in that last five or six years. And there's some really, really great examples of some uh, venture capital firms such as Main Sequence Ventures um, that I'm involved in, which has really upped the game. So I think that's that's doing a lot better. I think the Innovation and Science Australia agenda really did a lot of work to uh, build up the capability, for instance, of accelerators, um, entrepreneurs and residents. Um, so there's a lot of work that went into that. So I think we've been doing a lot of work in the last five or six years, which is getting us to a good a good spot. And how can we attract promising startups and entrepreneurs to Queensland? How can we do more? Yeah, look, I think one thing is to actually point out what we're really good at. So what are the industry sectors that we really really are good at and that we want to grow? Because entrepreneurs want to go places where they know there'll be others like themselves. I mean, I've, I've talked about the benefits already in terms of the ecosystem and the investment we've had, but they actually want to go places where people will understand and get their business. So I think if we can make it clear what we're focusing on and then also Ad, you know, market that, let people know this is what we've got here. i never forget going to Austin, Texas and saying to these young entrepreneurs, why did you move here? And if you look around Austin, Texas, it's, uh, you know, there's, there's no taxes and so the roads are rubbish. <laughs> Infrastructure is not that good. But their entrepreneurs are flocking there. They said to me it was because the investors there understood their business and had the networks to get them to market. So I think if we can make it clear what we're really good at and how we can get those ideas to market, then that will be a big benefit. The other one is it's a great place to live you know make the most of that um, but we do need to tackle affordability I mean people find it entrepreneurs find it very difficult to go to Sydney and stay there because they can't afford it so okay can we make sure that people can afford it here in Queensland Sarah looking into the future what does Queensland need to do in terms of encouraging students in their subject choices in high school and university in order for them to have a strong chance of catching that that innovation wave mm. I'm just going to quickly go back to that last question too though because we must remember the wonderful places around Queensland so I'm thinking of Townsville Toowoomba Cairns Gladstone Mackay they're building awesome innovation ecosystems and they can be great places to attract new people from overseas to come and set up new lifestyles there. So your question about young people, how do we do that? Yes. Goodness, I've been trying to do this for 30 years now. And through all sorts of channels, I've run massive events, you know, TV, radio, newspaper. I've been on the, the advisory council for Questacon, blah, 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 blah. And we still haven't made much progress. I feel like I have, I personally have failed and, and the, the approach we've taken has failed. I sort of describe it as, like I'm an English person, right? So I can say this, but us pommies, when we travel around the world, when we meet someone who doesn't speak our language, we just shout a little bit louder. <laughs> and I think we've been doing that. We need to change the conversation with our young people. But we also need to change the conversation with their parents. Because I think part of the issue is that people are frightened of this new economy. They're frightened of big data, 
frightened of the robots. They think it's going to mean no jobs. But actually, 75% of future high-growth jobs where people will get good salaries need science, technology, engineering, and maths. And 65% of them don't exist. We don't know what they are. So we need entrepreneurs as well. So we need to help our young people see this is a, such an exciting time. We don't know what their job's going to be. We don't know what the economy is going to be, but they can create it. So I think that's that's one thing. How do you get them excited about the world that they can create? The other thing is that we have so many challenges globally, and young people actually get very excited about having a, an impact and making a difference in the world. So how do we help them see that you can use these new technologies to build new companies and organizations that will solve these big challenges such as the environment, such as social disruption, et cetera, et cetera? How can we help them see their place in that? I understand you've uh, also been an author of eight international patents. Uh, some patents are for cancer diagnostics. You touched on that earlier. But at least one is for novel confectionery. Mm. Uh, now, before I let you go, I do have to ask, do you have a sweet tooth? I absolutely have a sweet tooth. I have chocolates stashed away all over the place. Yeah. yeah. Tell us about the novel confectionery. So, well, I was Mrs. Willy Wonka for a while. Ah. Um, that was uh, sort of a random title. My actual title was Global Head of Open Innovation at Cadbury. So Cadbury, for people who don't know, Cadbury has chewing gum and candy as well as chocolate. <laughs> uh, and so the job was to, to look all around the world for ways to solve some of our challenges. You know, one, for instance, would be how do you get different flavours through your chewing gum at different times. You know, Mr. Willy Wonka had that, didn't he? Yes. So we looked to the nutraceutical sector where you can use narrow nanoporous silica, which delivers chemicals through the skin in a similar way that your tongue receives chemicals. So you could take the technology from nutraceuticals and put that straight into chewing gum and deliver different flavours at different rates. So that was one. Um, another one was we wanted to get air into confectionery uh, so that we could reduce the calories but we didn't want to change the mouthfeel. The tongue tastes, uh, or sorry, can sense down to 20 microns. We found this capillary, microcapillary extrusion technology used in pressure sensors in sales that could give you 15 micron-sized capillary holes in your chocolate. So there you go. Take it from sales and bung it into chocolate. <laughs> There's a lot that goes into confectionery. There's a huge amount, mm. yeah. Here's another example which I love. So when you make chocolate at Cadbury, you make this intermediate phase called crumb, which is a little it looks a little bit like mud, really. And so we went out to find out how we could measure the rheology of that crumb, that chocolate crumb. And we found a fellow uh, in a London university who was measuring the rheology of mud on planet Mars. <laughs> so there you go. You have the piece of kit. We could take that straight into confectionery. Yeah, it, was, it was a lot of fun, that, tran that translation between different sectors and bringing that into confectionery. Mm. You, you've had an extraordinary career thus far. Uh, are the best years still ahead, do you think, for you? I would like to think so. Mm. Yes, I would like to think so. I have such a passion for building new economies, um, and I've you know, done a bit of that in Australia. I've done a bit of it overseas. Uh, and it is, it is my real passion is how do you draw people together collaboratively to help them to build these new industries and solve social as well as uh, technology uh, and economic challenges. Although I guess in, in, in your role you're always looking forward. Mm. Um, do you have time to reflect, though? Do you know, not very often. Mm. Um, I remember as an academic, people used to complain about when you have to write your grant applications, and, and I was one of those. I'd absolutely complain. But it made you stop. It made you think about where you'd been and where you want to go. And so I think um, every now and again, it is good to pause. I certainly try to celebrate. That's something I've tried to do in yes. all of my roles, find a time to celebrate. And that gives you that chance to, to look back and 
see where you've been. And I guess the reason why I ask that is in in order to be successful moving forward, mm. do we need time to reflect? I think we do, mm. um, and particularly now, you know, as we're three quarters of the way maybe through COVID coming out the, si- the other side maybe in some unknown form <laughs> I think it's a really good time to stop and think about where we've come from because we do get so busy but I think it has given people that chance to stop recalibrate think about what you want in life and then take that forwards well thank you for your time today Sarah Pearson Queensland is lucky to have someone of your experience and innovation insights I wish you well as you foster the entrepreneurs of today and tomorrow thank you so much thank you very much thank you